Hey everybody, Thomas here to give you a quick update from iCast Fireball. I say I'm giving you all an update, but I mainly just want to give a big ol' thank you to everyone that has been following along and listening to our show. Over this past month, you all have surprised us and helped us get over 1,200 downloads for the month of January. This was by far the most downloads we've ever had up to this point and is quite literally thanks to all of you. There is a lot of excitement over here at ICF as a result of this, and it's caused us to dream bigger than we ever dared dream. At our core, the cast of ICF are all storytellers, and there are more stories that we'd like to share beyond this campaign. But of course, more stories means more work, and we're already pushing Mickey hard enough with the editing. Like many of our own favorite podcasts, we've been considering launching a Patreon account, which would give us the juice we need to provide more content for our wonderful fans. But before we jump in headfirst, we'd like to see if there's enough interest to justify taking this big step. So, for the next two months, we will be taking a poll that will help drive and shape the future of iCast Fireball. Now you can participate in this poll in two different ways. The first way is to contribute to our Kofi account. Kofi is a free-to-use and feedless online donation service that allows you to tip creators directly without part of your donation being taken by the website itself. As I mentioned, we will mainly be using this as a poll, so even giving the minimum donation amount is a strong indicator to us on how much you would like new material from ICF and if starting a Patreon would be a viable next step for us. Our Kofi account will be in the episode description. The second way you can contribute is by reaching out to us at our email, icastfireball2020 at gmail.com, or tagging us on social media using the hashtag icastfireball. We would love to hear any suggestions you have or preferences of what stories you would like to see told. Again, this poll will take place over the next two months, so let us know what you think during that time to help us shape the future of iCast Fireball. As always, thank you for lending us your ear, and on with the show! Hey there, all you fireballs. This is Jacob, a.k.a. Lance Thalen. And we wanted to give a special shout-out to a fan email we received recently. Like we say in our closing credits of our podcast, if we ever get a special email from a fan or we see a review pop up in the iCast Fireball Apple Podcast feed, we want to give it a shout-out. So this shout-out is specifically to Yayola Falcor. And the email says, Hi, I just finished the sixth episode of iCast Fireball, and I love it! My father really likes Fleeple, but I honestly can't choose which one of the players is the best. I was wondering if you might start doing some shout-outs in players or NPC voices, maybe. Also, at the moment, I'm doing a campaign as a player with my school friends, and listening to you guys playing really gave me a good sense of the different personalities and or powers I can use for my character. You can refer to me as Yoyola Falcor, as it is my name in my own campaign. I'm so happy that you guys are still making this. Also, if you were to do shoutouts in other players' names, could you please have mine in Lance Thalen's voice? Well, Yoyola, we are very, very appreciative of this email, and that is a really good idea that I'm wondering if Thomas is thinking about brewing into it, of creating maybe some NPCs if we get some people's names or D&D characters that they submit to us. Eh, that might be coming down the road. Now, Lance Thalen, unfortunately, I think he's kind of busy. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, you want to jump in? Okay. Oh, okay. No need to point knives here. 
Hello, this is Lance Thalen. Yoyola Falcor, thank you so much for your email. We appreciate the shout-outs. As you say, I just have one bit of su- su- suggestion. Please don't use my name out loud. I'm really trying to keep it on the down-low here. I've got Fleeple blabbing about us all over the place, and Malamara, well, bless her heart, she's got a few screws loose in the head. That happens when, you know... You have a demon in there. Anyway, we are very appreciative of you, Yoyola Falcor. And let me just say, stabbing someone in the back, it's always an option. Just throwing it out there for your D&D character. Thank you, and we appreciate you listening to I Cast Fireball. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of I Cast Fireball, an actual play 5e D&D adventure where we play through the campaign Tyranny of Dragons. I'm Thomas, your DM for this adventure, and around the table we have... Malamara, Lance Thalen, and Filippo. Last we left our adventurers... They were on the road traveling to an ally in Candlekeep Library, Leosin. Now on the road, the Jank Squad had an opportunity to share more about their past and what has motivated them all to be where they are at now in this moment, together as a squad heading westward toward the majestic library. Now, after a crossfade transition, we found our adventurers picking up the pieces after a battle and an interrogation with an alien-type humanoid creature Around this time of the interrogation, Mal, looking at the surroundings, Lance and Fleetbull express some concern over Malamara and these enemies that appear to be targeting her specifically, getting little information from both their prisoner and from the note that that prisoner wrote as well, they ventured forth to Candlekeep after a good night's rest. They no sooner had taken in the grand landscape before them and the majestic towers of the Candlekeep library, when Leosin came rushing out and greeted them all with eagerness, while at the same time paying for their entrance fee. Now, in a hurried tone, he urged them all to follow and assist in saving someone, but informed them that the person they will be saving was indeed trapped inside of a book. That is where we find our adventurers this week. So, Lance Thalen, Fleeple, and Malamara, you find yourselves on horses, entering into Candlekeep with Leosin by you, uh, on his horse as well. Your alien-type uh, prisoner, bound and sufficiently gagged, being held upright and being led, so to speak, by um, one of you on horseback. Leosin urges all of you to head westward further into the library. Now, as I mentioned, the last time that you had, the, uh, as you first approached Candlekeep, it was incredibly majestic for lack of a better word there there were towers everywhere sprawled out colors splashed all over the roofs and, and this is right on this the cliff side of the sword coast itself uh, south of Baldur's gate even and so you see the majestic sea heading out west and you can smell even uh some sea air rush to meet you and uh, hit your nostrils The first thing you see is this massive open courtyard in front of you. And when I say courtyard, I don't speak of a traditional courtyard where there are plants and uh, activity going on. This is literally just a large plateau of just stone. 
white stone, in fact. And this stone, around the edges, there are a couple buildings that you can see in the distance. But this uh, plateau is about two football fields uh, in length. And as you are directing your horses to go westward towards this gate in the distance, Leosin is describing to you what he means and what he needs your assistance with. You see, this, this individual I need your help uh, saving is in, indeed inside Candlekeep Library itself, but not where they're chained to a wall or inside of a prison or they're lost in, uh, in amongst the books. They are literally inside of a book itself. And I actually would like to ask you for your help in retrieving them, um, if that is something that is agreeable to you. I... Full disclosure, I actually was sent to go retrieve them myself, and I was just about prepared to do so. However, when I saw you approaching, I felt this was a wonderful opportunity for you to possibly gain some allies, to prove your trust and loyalty to the cause of fighting against Tiamat and the Court of the Dragon. As those that have assigned me of saving this individual, and he gets a little bit of, uh, he starts to hesitate a little bit. After a moment, he throws caution to the wind. He goes, I am part of an organization known as the Harpers. And this organization is quite old and is its main focus is to restore balance to the world. Balance against evil forces, balance against uh, tyrants, balance against um, a, a particular race. To maintain the delicate balance that we've been able to find in the Sword Coast over all of these centuries. And... They've assigned me to retrieve this individual from the book. But if you can do it, improve your loyalty to, to helping out a friend and ally, I might be able to give you some sort of reward and bring you in closer to the inner circle, if you will. Um, and at this point, you are approaching the gate on the western end of this courtyard. And this gate that you're approaching is... It, it, the distance that you were made it seem like it was just kind of a, it, it was a normal door but every every uh, 30 seconds as you're approaching it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and it is bright emerald and shining in the sun as it is glittering down this is the emerald door which is well known and well talked about at Candlekeep library as only a select few non-Candlekeep library employees or uh, workers are allowed passage through into the inner sections of Candlekeep itself. Leosin turns to you. I, I know this is quite sudden. This is quite a, a brisk uh, situation I'm throwing you into. Is this something that you feel that um, the three of you could take on? So your friend then is is quite small. There, there, there's like a book that's hollow and they're, they're, we just need to open up the book to get them out, is... Um, uh, not, not, not quite so literal. Well, it is, it is kind of literal at the same time. Um, no, uh, this... You're, you're worried about paper cuts, aren't you? You don't want to get a paper cut, so we have to do it, and you have a history. I get it. I, I knew many people who were just unfortunate with paper. Um... I wouldn't be in a library if I was afraid of paper, necessarily. Um, no, this person was sent into this book. <sighs> Let me give you the long and the short of it. There's an individual, and he gives this accounting of 
this whole situation. And I'll paraphrase here and give you the uh, information that you find relevant, but feel free to ask any questions that you feel might also be relevant. As he's giving all this information to you, He's leading you past the Emerald Gate through columns and columns of books and individuals and uh, these long-robed uh, workers as they continue to walk through Candlekeep itself. Sorry, Thomas. We left our horses and that prisoner somewhere. Is he still with us? What do we do with all of our stuff if he's leading us through the courtyard and into the Emerald Door? Excellent point. Uh, yeah, so as as you get to the Emerald Door, he... Uh, uh, Leosin just kind of whistles, and uh, somebody from one of the buildings that has been making their way towards you, he, 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 uh, they start to jog over, and it's a woman, an uh, uh, elven woman uh, in similar robe and garb, and he goes, take care of their horses and make sure that this individual does not leave your sight. They are no food, they are not allowed food or water, and they are not allowed any purchase whatsoever from their bonds. Would the three of you find that agreeable? Not, yes. I suppose so. Excellent. Then we, then we have a moment to lose. And he rushes you through the library. And he tells you of an individual named Vargan. Vargan, a well-known person who was a member of the Harpers over 200 years ago. And over 200 years ago, they actually did quite a lot of good and brought about a lot of uh, peace and forwarded the cause of the Harpers quite drastically. However in their quest to shirk off evil and to bring balance to the world, he was actually poisoned, but a very untraditional poison plagued him. He was poisoned with uh, a curse, if you will. Uh, a curse to where he saw all those that were closest to him as enemies. And everybody that got close to him uh, from then on, uh, he thought were trying to overthrow them, including the Harpers. And because this individual was so power and so prominent inside the Harpers, started to wreak havoc within the organization and to undo the good that they had done. The Harpers thought it best in their interests to, although this individual um, was had been turned, it was not their, it was not their of their own volition. They had been poisoned with a, a curse that unfortunately had they had no remedy for at the time. And so they, they thought it best to seal this individual away into this book until a, a cure was found. Thankfully, after 200 years, the cure has finally been found, and that cure has been siphoned off and put into a dagger itself. And at this point, uh, Leosin, he unwraps a cloth and hands it to you, Fleeple. This pretty simply made dagger, honestly. It only has a wooden handle and a really short blade. Uh, Fleeple, this dagger will remove the curse that is in Vargen himself. Um, it will allow him to return to us and continue the work that he, he was carrying on with the Harpers over 200 years ago and be a great use to us in the fight against the Court of the Dragon itself. The only way that the curse can be removed, however, is if the dagger is plunged directly into Vargen's heart. Um, he, all those that knew him, with the exception of a few are long since dead, and even if they were alive, he wouldn't trust them. And so, although this task is not an easy one, it is one that I feel can be achieved um, by someone as ambitious as yourself. Uh, so they wouldn't stab him because they loved him too much, so you need an impartial person to come in. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll stab him right in the right in the old ticker as soon as I can. 
I, um, I, uh, Leo's then very confused, looks up like somewhat at the ceiling with a cocked head and like, I'll make note of that. Um, I will, uh... Fleeple needs explicit instruction. Well, the instructions are to stab this dagger directly into their heart. Um, but I'm afraid he won't make it easy if, if the stories, if what they tell about him are true. Um, and at this he goes, well, I, we've actually arrived at a destination. And he opens the wooden door. It's just a small room. It's just like a reading room, but very small, like barely enough room for the three of you. He doesn't enter the room itself, um, as it would be probably a little uncomfortable there. But on the table in, in the middle of the room, you see a small green book. Does anybody approach, approach it in particularly? Mal will. Okay. Mal, as you're the first one to approach the book, you see this book has gold trim in its title and along the binding, and it is very well kept for being over 200 years old. And this book is has the title, The Curious Tale of Wisteria Vale. And it's quite small, as I said, maybe only 50 pages, and so it's not very thick at all, uh, and it looks quite plain. Leosin says, Um... The fact that you would agree to this under such somewhat vague instructions and with little to no skin in in the game, so to speak, you not being a member of the organization itself, speaks very highly of the three of yours' integrity and honor. I I understand that you care for this individual and you don't want to have to take them down yourself, so don't worry, I'll... I, I I appreciate that. I mean, I'm not that old. I'm not 200 years old, so I I, I was never, I never knew them personally. And uh, but regardless, Fleeple, I it, it speaks highly to me. Something I was holding back until this very moment. And if uh, I met any resistance, is uh, the Harpers are willing to give a reward of five thousand gold pieces if you bring back the individual alive my eyes boing out of my skull. You should have started with that. that. That's the very beginning. That's like the first pitch to make is the reward, not the honor and integrity. Uh, well, some would say that's that's a semantic, a, mor- a moral, moral debate for another time that we don't have to get into at this moment. So, uh, but, but yeah, if you can bring back this individual alive with the curse removed, with the dagger in the heart, Fleeple, oh gosh, um... I, uh, alive. That's that's an important distinction that you have made it, here. It, yes, it, they have to be alive. When you stab the dagger into their heart, the curse will be removed and they will be alive still, they say. So this isn't like a wanted dead or alive situation where it's like, eh, we prefer alive. No, but- I'm, we, we definitely prefer alive, but um, the... the, the you will still have your honor. At you prefer it. Don't need it. The 5,000 gold, just to explicitly state, the 5,000 gold pieces are only if they are brought back alive. <laughs> ah, good. Explicit instruction. We understand. And uh, are the three of you ready to embark? Is there anything, any last thing, questions that you might have? How do we, how do we get in the book? Do we just open the binding? Uh, I, I will I will help you get into the book uh, if there are no other questions. Uh, Lance, you had something? Real quick. Real quick. Real quickly. Yes. Um, two things. Number one, we probably shouldn't take these in. Um, I undo my pack and I get out the dragon eggs that we've been carrying. 
and I say, we um, found these at the cultist camp, and we've been trying to take care of them. Might not be successful at it. Just a roll of the dice, an expression of chance, if you will. Um, but I, I don't think that this should be going into a dangerous situation. It Because it feels like... It feels... That's, that, that leads to point two. This feels very simple. Like we go in a book and we stab a guy in the heart, but keep him alive. Yes. But I feel like there's a lot more to this. Are we like... Is the book like a story and we're going into the story? Um, or is it more like just a void that is just he's there or is he like creating the story with his mind and it never ends and you look over at Le- Leosin and he's his eyes are wide looking at the three dragon eggs that you've handed to him and he's like um I apologize my mind was elsewhere this is a huge implication what you just brought me it's, and as I dropped this request on you you seem to have dropped something into my hands as well and um I'm having a difficult time processing this. Uh, well, it's just a fair trade, really. Uh, agreed. It, it's it's probably best if you just uh, experience. I I, I let, me, let me show you how to get in. Um, and he goes over to the book, opens it, and as he opens it, that didn't answer anything. <laughs> as he opens it, he points to the title, and aloud he says, "Harpers at Twilight," and he looks to the three of you and goes, "Good luck." Lance, before you can reach out and ask a second question, the three of you feel the uh, this tugging against your bodies, the sensation, and uh, you look backwards in the book, the pages are starting to flap. And there's wind that seems to be coming out of nowhere, and Leosin closes the door behind him, and the three of you just feel this, this whooshing sensation... into the book. And it's a very uncomfortable sensation. You feel that your bodies are getting stretched and squished at the same time. And uh, as the three of you are screaming to a variety of uh, a variety of phrases, maybe obscenities, uh, whatever it may be, a brief time afterwards, you find you, you feel yourself land on solid ground, and you look look around. Oh, oh. And as you look around, you see yourself surrounded by trees, and you hear birds chirping, and you see a sun in the sky, and a bright, brilliant blue sky. Almost too brilliant blue. Too bright. Too good. And the three of you kind of look at each other, and you're wearing the same clothes, uh, you have the same gear, but you're at the edge, you're in this forest, and directly in front of you you see the edge of the forest and the three of you cautiously walk forward from the forest and as soon as you pass by the trees you find yourself in this clearing and there is grass all around you from all you can see from the left to the right except for directly in front of you directly in front of you you see a small little hovel where half of it is going seems to be going through some sort of renovation and there is a garden that is kind of small and kind of not not like it's taken off necessarily, which according to the sun, this garden should be quite lush. It should be quite large and there should be plentiful fruits and vegetables or flowers. So maybe this person got started late. 
But probably the strangest thing that you see directly in front of you, you see a human male with black hair, bright blue eyes, and a smile like it's like it could be from a uh it is a brilliant, bright, flashy smile. And this individual, as they quickly look over to you, the wind catches their hair and blows it back, and they're holding a lute, and their clothes are very flowing and billowing. But next to this individual, you see a dwarf, or what you think is a dwarf, as the only thing you actually see is a big bulbous red nose sticking out of a mess of blonde hair covering their entire body and a massively tall minotaur with two long horns and just as you take the sight in before you can say anything the minotaur screams at the top of their voice the manor man has found them morty the hallucinations are coming back that's right, everybody. We have two guest stars on this week's episode of iCast Fireball. Let's go around one more time and introduce everybody properly. I'm Thomas, your DM for this adventure, and we have... Malamara. Lance Thalen. And Fleeple. Mortaragunamin. And Brick and Bertham, but you can call me Brick. <laughs> so we have our friends Heather playing Mortar and Caleb playing Brick here. Heather, Caleb, welcome to the podcast, iCast Fireball. Good to have you both here. Uh, real excited to have you being joining us on this adventure. They're going to be joining us for this little leg of the adventure here. And it'll be a nice, it'll be nice having a party of five to play with. And a different dynamic entirely. So we'll see how much this screws up with the Dungeon Master's plans. So, we jump back into the story, though. Mortor, you shouted to the sky how the Manor Men have come back and Brick, the hallucinations have returned. And the three of you stand there taking in this sight while the other three individuals look at you taking in you and your sight. And there's this awkward moment where both of you are just kind of staring at each other yeah, I'm just trying to figure out which of these people I'm supposed to stab in the heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, as there's this awkward, like, palpable silence between the three of you, like some of you mid-step, the bard plays his loop. My, my! Looks like we have some additional adventurers joining us in this grand adventure before us. And this bard floats literally floats over to the three of you at the edge of the forest and says yes it's been quite some time it's been some time since adventurers have come and you are here Terry, to join the not no if you could see brick's eyes they would be rolling back into his head he can see his brain right now i lean over to fleep and go stab him please <laughs> I've only got well, no. I've got I've got more than one dagger. I don't have to use the special dagger to stab this one. <laughs> Mortar is actually going to get up and run towards the group as he says that. Terry, not no. Okay, what's your intention as you're running towards the group? He's going to try to scare them away, so he's gonna look like he's bull rushing them. 
Okay, with these massive horns coming out of this Minotaur's head, just not now, Terry. Rushing towards the three of you, trying to intimidate. Uh, Mortar, go and roll an intimidation check. I definitely think that he's going for Terry and that this is what I've dreamed of for years. So I am joining in on this and I'm going to tackle Terry. <laughs> Love it. And then I will allow you break a attack roll. Since you're not using a weapon, don't add your proficiency, but you can add your strength. But the, the jank squad, the three of you are having this massive minotaur run up to you. Mortar, Mortar what did you roll for your intimidation check? A nine. A nine. Uh, I think we also think that the Minotaur is going to tackle the bard, and we're probably just like, yeah, yeah, this is good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so Terry is just floating in between all of you, not worrying about, he's describing, you see, they don't enjoy my performances like they used to. When they first came here years ago, they used to cheer and and yell for me. And, And this Minotaur is charging towards the bard, and it's not a very threatening charge, I'll say. It's very, it's very passive. You don't feel like you're in any danger, but it's you still have this six foot seven creature with massive horns coming in your direction fairly fast. But you all just slowly like step out of like their path necessarily, so you don't get trampled. And just at this moment, Terry looks at both you, Mortor, and Brick, and go, "Oh my!" Uh, <laughs> and just as Brick, what did you roll for? Your attack against Terry? Hold on, I totally forgot. There it is. I've got the grappler feet. <gasps> oh, okay, okay. This the you have been planning this day for years. So what did you roll, Brick? Oh, the gods don't want me to grapple this guy, I guess. Um, even with my advantage, I still only rolled an eleven. Because I want this bard to suffer, I'm going to point out that grappling is not an attack roll. It is an athletics or acrobatics check contested by the grappler's athletics check. And I'm really, really hoping that this bard has crappy athletics and or acrobatics. He rolled a six, so... Oh, honey, thank goodness. Okay, so if it's an athletics check for me, then that is a 15, my friends. Okay, so as Terry's describing, and uh, Mortar, you stop just short of Terry. Brick, you you just breeze right past Mortar, and you just jump him, and you tackle Terry directly in the dirt. And so Terry's, you, he's describing to the Jank Squad, you see they, and his face just eats it and skids into the dirt a good, like, three inches before stopping. And he goes, you can let me go, Brick. Let me go. I can't tell you how long I've wanted to do this. And I will pin him down uh, by making another grapple check with my grappler feet. Okay. He will roll another. As this is happening and this minotaur, even though Lance is shocked because he's never seen one before, but he's not very intimidating apparently. And this collapsing ruckus, I'm just going to like look at both of them, look at Fleeple and Maumara and step over the two who are tackling each other and then just start walking toward the house. <laughs> just like, this is a weird storybook. I'm keep. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> Brick, what did you roll for your uh, grapple? That's an 18 to pin him down. Uh, yeah, he got a 17, so he is sufficiently pinned. And he goes, Brick, 
Let me up, Brick! Brick, I have stories to tell! I'm the narrator of this story! Gosh dang it! I'll tell you let a me, story! Let me help these adventurers! Oh, and as this is going, uh, Lance, you start to move, and uh, Fleeple and Mal, you're welcome to join as well, but Mortar, you'd like to do something? Yes, actually. Seeing him go past me, even though for a second I got taken away from my my target of them by what's happening with poor Terry. Actually, dumb Terry. I turn and it sets me off to see this who I think is a ghost going towards my house. And I am actually going to cast Guiding Bolt. Okay. Alright, Heather, go ahead and roll an attack. Well, I rolled a natural one. So that is a six. Natural one is always a miss. So as you go, and you cast this guiding bolt, what does it look like as you cast this guiding bolt, Mortar? Well, apparently nothing very impressive. It's like a blue crackling bolt where there's like a lightning bolt, but like six that spread out kind of like a tree. And and as it spreads out like a tree, it's uh, so beautiful and so like a tree that the branches go directly between, like, uh, Lance is directly between the branches and the attack misses entirely. And Lance, you just kind of look behind you and go, the person just tried to attack me. What is going on right now? <laughs> well, since it missed, Lance is probably thinking like, oh, it's a storybook. It can't actually hit me. It's just a story. <laughs> <laughs> and so Lance is just going to keep walking, not actually running or thinking he, he doesn't think at least now that he's in any danger because it's like oh he charged this is flimsy charge he shot something at me but it missed me I'm the protagonist of the story sweet I'm gonna keep walking <laughs> and at this Terry goes <clears throat> yes yes of course yes and uh, he snaps his fingers and Brick as you are holding Terry down all of a sudden you're holding just nothing and Terry is no longer in your arms. Oh, blast you! And right in front of you, Lance, Terry, and uh, Fleeple and Mal, as you follow behind, if you do, Terry speaks loud enough for all of you and goes, Yes, of course, welcome to the curious tale of Wisteria Vale. I am terry the narrator, for your grand adventure that you will be taking on here in Wisteria Vale. I sense one of you has some power among you, don't you? Uh, yes, certainly. You're, you're here to tell us a story. Well, then perhaps you can tell me the story of where Vargan is. Of course, that's the whole point of this magnificent tale. I could tell from the three, unlike these two ruffians over here, they somehow slipped in. Un- you're a crabbit git, Terry. And you tackled me into the ground. They, they got in uh, quite some years ago. Um, not sure how they were able to get in, but they didn't have what was needed. But I, I can sense that you do. And at this, he strums his lute. Um, and he starts to tell the magnificent tale of Wisteria Vale. Terry, we don't need to hear that again. And he, t- he turns to the elf and he says... Why are you here? I never killed you. Uh, we're just here to stab somebody in the heart. Brick, what do we do? It's all right, it's all right. As long as it's Terry, they can be on their way. 
No, it, it's it's Vargin. There, there's a man named Vargin that I'm supposed to stab in the heart because his friends can't bring themselves to do it. And so I, I need to find this man, get the knife right up between the ribs, and he'll be fine from what I'm told. Yeah, it won't kill him. Stabbing him in the heart won't kill him at all. It'll just actually help him. And then we, we take his body out. Not preferred. We need him alive. But from what this looty man is saying, you two got sucked into the book a little bit ago? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been at least, what, more five years? More or less, brother. Oh, you do not know the tortures we've been through. It has been very bad. Uh, tortures, are you saying like there's physical dangers or just the horrendous playing of a loot? I get right up in his face and you can finally see my eyes bugging out through my mats of just curly blonde beard, hair, eyebrows, all of it. And I'll, my eyes bugging out, I say, the psychological tortures. Every day the same. The rebirth happening who knows when. And Vargin, he was honored amongst the harpers. He was the trusted advisor. Mortar is gonna shove Terry. <laughs> uh, Terry just gets shoved off. It doesn't deter him. He keeps singing as if he's on this rote track that needs to finish for some reason and so nothing uh, as you try to interact with him he just seems to keep moving no matter what um, and just keep singing this song but the rest of you have this conversation over the din of this song unlike everyone else in the book currently Malamar will walk over to Terry and take a seat in the grass and the the lush enjoying the sounds of the birds and the and the, the spring and and listen to the story because she knows that stories have an ending and that's probably where we want to go. So while they're all arguing about details of the book, Malamar is actually going to be listening to Terry's story. I would like to try and offer him some gold to just tell us the story instead of singing it to us. <laughs> Uh, go ahead and roll a persuasion check to see if you could stop him and interrupt him mid-performance to uh, to just get to the point, so to speak. And the DM won't have to sing all of the bars that he's written out in this episode. You got this, sport. You're going to take that away from him, Ned? Yes, and that choice, Ned. My 22 persuasion is going to take that away from Oh! So, Mal, you going over and listening, you actually get a few bars uh, understanding, confirming the things that were told you in Candlekeep Library. Um, but for secrecy's sake, Vargan was kept away. And then Fleeple comes up right behind you. And Fleeple, you pipe up, and Terry briefly stops and looks towards you. Oh, yes, scaly one. Would you like me to repeat anything? Uh, five gold to just keep going, but just tell tell it to me. Just tell it to me. Just let's make this simple. Oh, all right. Uh, he quickly snatches the five gold, um, and as he snatches the five gold, uh, he kind of goes, <whistles> and he whistles, and a little canary bird comes and and drops on his shoulder, and he goes, um. Put, put this uh, in our stash, please. And, and uh, the bird just kind of... Brick is just staring in awe at the fact that he could have been bribing Terry this entire time. 
And he goes, ah, yes, well, Vargin, as you, I'm sure, are aware, was trapped here in this demi-plane of Wisteria Vale until a time when uh, his curse can be removed. Vargin is in the manor over there, and uh, now that I believe one of you and Terry kind of like goes through the three of you like with a finger, kind of like a uh, divining rod, like to try and like, uh, and then he stops on Fleeple and points to you. I believe you have the item that is needed to set Vargan free. Is that true? Fleeple doesn't like how presumptuous and extrasensory perceptive this guy is how he just like divined that apparently I have it. Can Is there like a way that I can figure out what's going on with this guy, how he knows I have the dagger? You can roll an insight check. And just right in front of him, I pat myself on the back. You got this sport. Getting a modded 20. Modded 20. Um, as you look up into this bard, they're very beautiful, quite honestly. I mean, that's uh, they're, they're meant to look charming, and they are. They've got the white teeth, the pearly whites. Their hair is perfectly brushed off to the side. Their uh, physical uh, form is not too bulky. It's not too skinny. It's just the right amount. The clothes seem to match his style perfectly. Um, and as he uh, he holds the loot with just a perfect air of uh, that this is a known bard. Like, he, he's lived the life. He knows how to play the game. But there does seem to be some sort of knowingness to this creature. Like... Uh, I mean, and they, they, they themselves have stated that they're the narrator of this book. But you can sense that, like, there, there definitely is some sort of intelligence to this creature. How far that intelligence goes, uh, maybe, were they, is it, is this just simply part of the story? It's hard to gauge, it's hard to know uh, off uh, with the 20. Uh, but that's what you're able to glean from your insight there. Uh, now, Brick and Mortar. This is very unusual behavior from Terry. Brick and mortar. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. Now he gets it. There it is. While we're on the topic, I just need to ask, is Terry's last name Kata? If we're going along with this (laughs) stonework theme. Uh, It is now. Yes, and it is now. Terry has been acting the same for years. Every single day has been acting the same for both of you. Uh, However, today, Terry is seeming to have found a new track, if you will. They are interacting with these individuals a lot different than they have between you, Mortar, and you, Brick, for the five years that you've been here. And it reaffirms that today is a momentous day that you had experienced earlier this morning. I told you, Morty. Good things are happening today. Maybe we should take them to the manor. <laughs> ah, he, yes, the manor. As I stated, he is in the manor itself. Uh, that is his personal domain while he is here in Wisteria Vale. And although he was welcome to leave it, uh, he chose to remain in seclusion for... Terry? I'm describing to these new adventures here. This whole time you knew who was in the manor? (laughs) Of course I did. I am the narrator, after all. My whole purpose and existence here is to know what goes on in the book. I've asked you twelve hundred times. He comes over and touches your shoulder. Of course you, of course you are my best friend, Mortar. You are my best friend. And at the same time looks at you, Fleeple, and covers his 
mouth so Mortar can't see what he's whispering and sort of mouths uh, mouths the phrase of like he's not very bright uh, and starts shaking his head towards you Fleeple uh, but yes of course my best friend Mortar tell us about the manor Terry well I was trying to say to this young cobalt here whichever of you possesses the item and sort of winks at you Fleeple uh, to release the curse you can enter the manor now freely uh, holding the item aloft and you should be able to enter and you can seek Vargan yourself. Um, but first! And sort of like claps his hands. You need to prove that you are worthy to enter the manor itself. And so a test for our young adventurers here. A test! And he starts to bellow out. A test to show the that Wisteria Vale, they are the true adventurers to save Vargan. Fleeple, Fleeple, give him more gold so we can get past the test. <laughs> I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna offer him one platinum piece if he'll let us pass the test. <laughs> uh, go ahead and roll a persuasion check then. Uh, the DC will be a little high here. This does, this is in his programming to proceed forth as he's going to hear, but. We'll see what you roll. Remember, Thomas gave us all inspiration last time. Ooh, he gave us inspiration. Yes, he did. So that's not just an eight. That is... <laughs> Thomas, that's a natural 20 plus four on my guidance plus one for 25. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, thank you so much for reminding me about that inspiration. You're welcome. I don't want to be tested. <laughs> The DC was 22. <laughs> it was yes. very hard. It was very high. This is in his programming to do so, to test. Uh, but as you just go, <clears throat> and he grabs the platinum from the air, and he goes, you've persuaded him to a degree where he stopped, and he goes, um, you three don't want to go through with the test? Uh, maybe we'll tell us what the test is first, and then I guess we'll see. Um, well, it was a, it was a, it's going to be a battle of uh, strength and uh, uh, to, to prove your worthiness. And uh, oh, none, none of us. Well, Malamar is strong, but I'm not strong, and Lance is not strong. Look at how spindly are we are. Are you sure about that? And he just points to each of you. And at that point, my players, you haven't realized up to this point because you haven't really needed to use it, other than the checks that I've been making you make. And I apologize for not telling you earlier, but all of you are actually now at level ten. What? <laughs> For the next little bit here, Fleeple, Lance, and Malamara, you find your characters have leveled up magically to level 10, and you have renewed strength. You have abilities you didn't know, speed and quickness maybe you are unaware of, and my three normal players here. Don't erase your previous stats. Uh, this is unfortunately going to be just for this the next little leg of the adventure here so you might want to save do a screenshot of what your stats are right now because uh, we are going to be going back to these stats at some point in time uh, so don't just erase everything and start anew you're going to be going up to level 10 but it's not going to be unfortunately a full permanent change here so but Malamara, as you look at your newfound power, you're like, oh, and you try to like, you feel that rage and you go to reach for it. 
But as you feel yourself leaning towards that direction, you feel this voice in your mind sort of like grab you and go, Now just hold on a minute. Let's see what you're capable of. If we go this direction. That is the condition I'm going to put on you right now. I'll just go up five levels in Warlock. I won't take any more in Barbarian then. And so, Terry looks at all of you and says, Are you sure of that? And you feel and notice the power that has been injected into you. So, somewhat unwillingly, but it's also welcoming for some of you. And uh, and you feel that you have more capabilities, more spells, more power, more uh, a different possibility. Almost like as if you were living a different timeline here. Um, with, of course, Malamara, the voice guiding your timeline still. Seeming to have a grip upon you urging you towards a particular goal. Why? Could be that they just want you to follow them. Terry look comes down to you and floats down. It's odd now. Mortar and Brick, Terry has never really floated up to this point. They've just been like this being that has followed you around. But now that there seems to be some sort of purpose and that the story has begun in Terry's mind, they seem to be floating quite, quite frequently here, uh, which is a little unnerving. But this creature floats down to you, Fleeple, and says, you, you don't wish to go through the tests. So I, I see that you're trying to be emotionally manipulative of me at the moment. Tell me what the tests are, and then we'll figure out whether we want to do the tests or not. Oh, you were going to fight a lot of people and things, and you were going to experience your newfound power in a somewhat safe environment, and you were going to have... An opportunity to prove yourselves, but you see right through my ruse. Question, are we going to have to do all those things you just described, but in the mansion or the manor later on as well? Yes, always. We always get hurt in the manor. We get so close and then it's like it's just whisked out of our grasp. Yeah, we, we can we can pass the test. Let's pass. Yep, no test. No test. Let's just move on. I, I only have two fifth-level spell slots, you know. <laughs> Lance just looks within himself and goes, Oh my gosh, I know what that is now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's finally joined the magic team. Terry goes, Well, I don't know what's happening in the manor. I mean, I... Uh, of course, I'm the narrator of the story, and... Um, and you see Terry's face get a little bit worried, and he goes, Look, I'll level with you. I, uh, it was about, uh, I, I know everything that happens outside of the manor. And I used to know everything that happened inside the manor until a few years ago. Until this rebirth business started to happen as this young nose person likes to point out here every so often. They, uh, something is blocked my connection to get into the manor. I can't go myself. But the magic of that dagger and points directly to Fleeple's pocket should get you in without issue. That is the whole purpose of this plane here, this demi-plane, and that magic will bypass anything that is blocking entrance into the manor itself. Hmm. Well, I suppose we can go ahead and give it a try. You're, 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 you're sure you don't want to go through the tests? And this person is very obviously giving you the puppy dog eyes. They're very obviously, they they know how to be manipulative. And it's very much like, 
they're pulling you know like the heartstrings the tiniest violin is actually is literally playing in the background you hear it coming from nowhere and it's just playing around you as they start to like sob and like very well and they float over to you lance and they try to grab your scarf to like like to dab some of their tears i will stab your heart out if you do that (laughs) i like you too very well then seems everyone is becoming friends Except for me, I'll just go over to the alley cats as they understand me. <sighs> Very well. No tests. Ugh. And they just sort of like walk away like, ah, uh-huh, ah, uh-huh, ah, uh-huh, like over, over dramatizing their tears. I'm like, ah, uh-huh. it's. I turn to all of my friends and I'm like, you know what's best about this is this is a book. So he's not real. So I don't have to feel bad. <laughs> I know he's not real, but I still feel disgusted. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 taking a lot of self-control not to use my shiny new fourth and fifth level spell slots on him. He's disgusting, all right. Uh, like our good friend Mortar said, we're going to need to save our resources for when we actually get into that manner. So you all have been in this book for five years. What got you in here in the first place? Oh, that's a funny story. <laughs> Go ahead, Brick. You tell it best. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> I mean, we were fairly new clerics, you know, searching, trying to redo the wrongs we'd done in our lives. Um, and we were good at it. That's right, that's right. And, um, found ourselves in that library and, um, really... Uh, just found this book on the floor. And Briggs said, Mortar, you've always wanted to learn to read. That's right, that's right. And it was just laying on the floor there. And we thought, hey, why not start with this one? And poof, we're in. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know when that was. I said, it feels like five years, maybe six, seven. I've no idea. It was a fortnight and a half ago. See, it could be that too. Are they telling the truth or are they skipping major parts? Are they... Can I tell? (laughs) I mean, you can roll an insight check with your new abilities. Natural 20. (laughs) With a score of 28. Wow. Yeah, these two brothers, as they call themselves... Yeah, they're on the up and up. Gosh, they just got trapped in here for reading a book. So you are, so you are just the most unlucky people ever. You can say that again. Yeah, what was really unlucky was how we got into the library. We were just trying to help people come see the light. And they said we must be liars and brought us in with knives to our chest and told us not to move. So we decided to read. Wow. Wow. That, that just sounds like a bad time. I'm, I'm sorry to hear about that. It was a while ago. I'm over it. We forgot it all. Well, um, so you've been in the manor and you say you've gotten close to the end of it? I assume where our person we're looking for is. What has kept you from from getting to the end? If by the end of it you mean we got in, 
Yes, today! We go in today, Morty! (laughs) (laughs) You mean it's taken you five years to get into a door? Terry, how... We keep saying five years. How long have we been here? What year do you think it is? What what year is it? What year is it? Uh, after a short discussion, because I'm not going to necessarily timestamp this uh, lore-wise in the Sword Coast, um, somebody uh, somebody from the Jank Squad uh, lets you know that it has been roughly 202 years since you have been thrust into this book. What? What now? <laughs> T- two years. That that's all right. I give Brick a hug, just around his dwarfy body, and just hold him for a little bit. So it took you two hundred years to get in to get in a door. This is great. Not to get into the door, to stay inside the door. We got in lots of lots and lots of times. It's it's sort of a big black void in there and there's a creepy voice that'll talk to you and then shunt you out and then send visions into your head of people you killed because you killed mercilessly for so many years that's uh yeah morty's got a guilty conscience but um anyway wow just just wow all right um well let's get this show on the road i assume it seems like this is the day that you get free so let's go and let's, let's stab this man in the heart like I've been itching to do ever since we got here and we'll get you all back out into Candlekeep. Lickety split. That sounds wonderful, little man. Do you know how to get out of the book? Because we have tried. <laughs> no idea. That is a good point. I think it's just we stab the man in the heart and keep him alive and the book will kind of shunt us out. Leosin's out there. He'll make sure that we're taken care of. I'm. I'm really Leosin. Leosin has really lost a lot of cred in my mind. I mean, he was like fine, but now he just threw us into a book without giving us any really pre-warning about what we're facing. And we did. We did dump three bombs into his lap, essentially. So he's he's a little emotional at the moment. I would assume. But he wanted those bombs. <laughs> While this is happening, while you're all walking and talking, uh, discussing and uh, getting to know each other a little bit more, as you crest the hill, this hill seems to go on forever and forever. But then, even though it's like midday, you see as you cross over the hill, like this beautiful sunrise just gleaming over the town perfectly, almost like it's the entrance to a very popular film that was animated about a princess who uh, falls in love with a beast. Um... And uh, as you crest over this hill, you hear just this music start to play in the background while all of this walking and talking is happening. And uh, the this town appears sort of like almost materializes before you. And you see somebody walking out their front door and like, and like stretching their arms and like walking and opening up their windows to open shop. And you hear this loot bring and Terry's there playing the lute again and say, Oh, progressing forward, I see. Well, I think it's fair I introduce you to Wisteria Vale here. And he looks at you, Fleeple, and goes, No amount of money is going to stop me this time, young one. 
I'm just going to ignore him and pretend that I he is not there and just keep going along and uh, I'm gonna find I'm gonna find the baker with his tray like always and try and buy some pastries. And there is there is a baker and this baker uh, as you approach them, this baker goes, ho, 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 young one, you better watch where you're going. And actually, oddly walks past you. And then, like, five seconds later, comes up behind you and goes, ho, 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 young one, better watch where you're going. And passes you again and does that every f- five seconds. As all that is going on, Brick is just walking next to you guys and pointing, like, like a stage manager at each of the places that like people come out of windows and then go into doors and like and cue this and like something falls and breaks and people clean it up and like and now the horse and there's a horse that clops by just very memorized on what is going on here and I just point I go oh I think that that man's glitching guys just walking into a wall <laughs> Indeed, there is somebody who, because there are the five of you, had to move out of the way from his normal path and now is just like uh, talking to a wall instead of a person that is five feet from them. And so all of you are walking through, just sort of like weirded out. Terry's carrying on with his song. Um, but you, you each have a purpose and you each keep walking through and pushing through. And as you do, um, you see. This town isn't isn't that large. It's not that big, um, but you do see somebody say, uh, uh, you do see somebody uh, like uh, a weaponsmith, a blacksmith, a vendor opening up shop like in the middle of like the uh, the center of the town, like, and then just in the distance, not too far off, you see this magnificent manor. It's one of the only buildings that is two stories tall. Everything else really just being a single story in this town. Um, and as you as you look at the manor, you uh, there are people who are just methodically looking at all of you and going like, "Ah, oh, well met, adventurer. Going to the manor, I see." Walking past you, um, and uh, another another boy seeing like, "I want to be an adventurer just like you when I grow up." Uh, and uh, Mal, you've never seen they've never seen you before. At, at all in their entire life and uh, they're just saying these random things to you as you were walking through town and all of you just if any of these guys asks me why I'm not wearing shorts then I'm gonna just run all the way up to the top of that manor ahead of me <laughs> <laughs> um, Mortar turns to Brick and says these are all new sayings how come they never said those things about us? It, it's like the blacksmith. He said new things today. Maybe everyone's getting an update. It's a good day, Morty. I'm telling you, it's still here. Okay. <laughs> the expansion's been uploaded. <laughs> <laughs> the patch. And so, with a smile, all of you head up to the manor. Now, this manor, as I mentioned, being two stories tall, uh, is actually quite magnificent compared to all the other building and it's uh it's got like beautiful white stones surrounding it beautiful stained glasses in its window almost like a church but more gaudy and more just about adventuring and uh the adventurer's life and as you walk up oddly enough mortar and brick uh the doors have reset in the manor they're not broken like they were before like when you had broken and walked in and as you walk up to this uh, massive manor here for our norm- our 
normal players here. They, they're very tall. I mean, they're about uh, 10 feet tall, and there's not necessarily a uh, knob to turn. They just have, like, handles that you can push or pull to open. And the doors are closed as you walk up. And Terry pops up. <sighs> this nuisance of a narrator keeps pop- pops up next to you and goes, Ah, going to see Vargan yourself, I see. Uh, wait a minute, I already knew that. Why am I saying that? <laughs> Sorry, old habits die hard. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I'll be interested to see if you can open the doors unlike these two normally could. Um, listen, Gary, um, do you have any further use to Terry? Our- what was that? Is Terry, as he's like, his breathing increases and like his smile starts to falter. Terry! Yes, um, do you, ha- do you have any further information to give us or are you just kind of like stating the obvious things that we need to do? Just wondering if you have, if you have more information. Um, I, the only other thing I c- I won't know until the doors are open, but I've pretty much given you everything that I know up to this point. Everything after you enter those doors is fairly new information. Got you. Okay. Thank thank you, Larry. Now that we're at the door, does Melamara's Eldritch Sight, her detect magic, does everything ping for magic because we're in a magical book? Or would something stand out about maybe the door or the manor itself? So that's a good point, Mal. As you have your detect magic up, every single person that you've seen in this book, including Terry, has magic resonating from them. Um, whether that's because they might have been constructs to keep propelling the story forward or whatnot, but none of the buildings actually were magical. However, when you get up to the door within 30 feet, the building itself, the door, seems to resonate some sort of magic. And it just seems to be like buzzing in your mind. And uh, it's just persistent um, as, as you come up to the door. So this is definitely new compared to the rest of the town. So, um, mortar, brick, is the door locked? Or how have you? How did you get in earlier? We broke it down. So it was locked. You had to break it down. Yep. Always is. Well, today is a different day, apparently. And I'm going to step forward with the dagger in my hand and reach up with my other hand to grab the handle and try and open it. As you move your one hand without the dagger to push open the door, uh, you feel some sort of resistance. Like as you're reaching for the handle, you're like, "Eh." but then as the dagger comes close, you feel that resistance give and and you're able to reach the handle and to brick and mortar your shock. They're able to reach the handle itself, and with ease, it seems. I stabbed the magic. You are the chosen one. We will follow you. Fleeple, I think you were sent by the good mother herself. Uh, Bahamut is the father of dragons, not the the mother is Tiamat, but... mm. I, I'm feeling very uncomfortable now, and I just open the door and move in. You were sent by Lathander. And as that statement rings through the air, the doors open freely. And brick and mortar, as you broke down the doors, the, the entrance was always dark. However, now the doors swing open wide, widely, and Mal, you feel that magic that was resonating disappear. 
and the bright light streams out of the manor, and you can see clearly into the manor itself. With wide eyes, Mortar picks up Brick and puts him on his back where there's like this metal baby carrier that attaches to the armor of Brick, and he fastens him in. I'm ready. With that, all of you cautiously walk in, and as you see, this this manor is quite beautiful. It's not a palace. It's not like a castle necessarily, but it is quite beautiful. But there seems to be a lot of paintings of the same individual over and over and over. And as uh, you look at these paintings, it looks like a man similar to Terry, but with different characteristics, not exactly the same look as Terry, but with the same smile, different hair color, the face doesn't quite look exactly like Terry. It seems maybe Terry was created after this individual, possibly, to help welcome adventurers in, but this person is appearing over and over, helping a child up from the ground, holding back a demon from attacking, uh, from attacking the, a party of adventurers uh, at a banquet laughing with friends. And as you continue to walk through it, and you hear music emanating not far from your current location. In fact, there looks to be some sort of ball happening here. Um, and as it's just right across from where you currently are at, you seem to be in some sort of a uh, entryway, uh, which in a manner is quite large, a waiting area, if you will. Um, and as you are waiting there, a, uh, a butler walks up to you. And this butler uh, opens the massive double doors across the room from you. The double doors where the mucusic is coming from. And as this butler walks up and goes, Do all of you have invitations to tonight's event? As he looks at you with a very long jowled face and just stares at all of you with sort of like dead eyes absolutely we do we just need to find them <laughs> i kind of nudge fleeple in the ribs and i say chosen one you must do it you cut through the magic show him your dagger it's your invitation laddie uh this is the best idea that i can think of so i step forward uh, with the dagger, and I say, Ah, yes, uh, Terry, let us in. Mmm, that mongrel. And he grabs the dagger from you, Fleeple. Oh, oh I don't want to let him take the dagger. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to just show it to him, and if he tries to get too close, I'll just kind of, like, like, when his hand gets within six inches of mine, I just start moving back so that it maintains six inches between his hand and the dagger. Well, he just starts to slowly, like, lean towards it. So as you lean back, he leans forward, and he goes, Hmm, very well. I will let the master know that we have additional guests for tonight's event. Yes, perfect. Uh, yes, uh, are there, are there crudités at the event? Cheeses, meats, anything? Perhaps some hors d'oeuvres? One moment. And they turn around. Every creature in this book who's not real makes me incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, it seems not a very well written story. 
And uh, this person, uh, this butler turns around and the double doors have remained open. Okay. And uh, they walk through the double doors. They leave them open and you can see people dancing. Like you can see quite a bit of this hall. And you see this individual walk over to somebody that looks very much like the pictures. In fact, they look exactly like the pictures that you see around you right now. Uh, and you feel very confident that this is Vargan, the bard that you're here to see. And as Vargan looks over, he goes, he looks at the five of you from way, way across the way. And he looks at you and goes, <laughs> and just as like he looks as if he's going to beckon you, he actually turns into the ballroom and beckons someone else and y yells something that you can't quite hear. But as he beckons them over, a creature that you are not expecting seems to, well, a creature you are not expecting moves towards Vargan into your view. And all, whether you know about them, whether you've seen them before, your blood seems to just turn cold as this massive orb is floating over to Vargan, floating in the air. No. With one single eye. Oh, no. Right in the center. They have blue, rough-hewn skin surrounding their entire body. No legs. No arms necessarily, but near the top, out coming out of their head, are a number of eye stalks. And those eyes are continually shifting around. And they have one giant mouth directly under their big singular eye. And as this creature floats towards Vargan, teeth very jagged and toothy, Vargan points in your direction and goes, ha ha. And the creature looks towards you with its massive eye, and your blood stops. And the creature yells loud enough for all of you to, to hear, Well, if you would like to join us in the ballroom, you all are more than welcome to. Welcome to my domain. And that's where we're going to end tonight's episode. Oh, no. Thomas, just a question. Oh, no. Is that the voice that Brick and I know? <gasps> yes. What? Oh. oh, my goodness. Really, Thomas? Really? <laughs> Team at Beholders. Should have just been like, uh, uh, Terry, we want the test. We want the test. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm into this. This is going to be good. I've got some ideas. Yeah, the whole time Ned's just like, the Jack Nicholson, like, nod meme. Oh, yeah, that, that is my favorite gift that exists, in fact. I love that everyone in the video was shaking their head, and Ned has this, like, maniacal look in his eyes, and he's like, yes. Yeah, when Mickey realized who I was describing, her face of, like, she was, like, looking in her book, and all of a sudden she just, like, looks out of the corner of her eye, just shakes her head. Like, I... Sometimes I wish we could, we were screen capturing just so we could like replay these moments for us. Oh, well, what's going to happen as this strange creature seems to be have befriended Vargan himself and as the adventurers have joined the manor with where brick and mortar have been trying to enter for what they thought was five years, but seems to be much longer than that. We'll have to find out next time on I Cast Fireball. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. 
From wherever you get your podcast from, please leave us a review. It helps boost our ratings throughout each podcast service, puts us in other recommended feeds, and lets us know that you like what we're doing. Now, if you want to write something a little bit longer than a review, shoot us an email at iCastFireball2020 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we're hoping to get the word out there and set this podcast on fire. Now, to get the most recent up-to-date content from all of us here, maybe including Mortar and Brick's relationship uh, bonus episodes that you might see with them in it, or their character sheets and DM notes of uh, what's going to happen and maybe how I've statted up some creatures to these level ten, for these level 10 adventurers. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter and Instagram with the handle iCastFireball20. Now, as always, we're giving a quick shout out to our sister podcast, Improv Tabletop, where Ned, our resident kobold, takes a turn as the GM and runs through one month mini adventures using the Fate Accelerated Tabletop System. So go and give them a listen. Give them a five star review because they're doing great work over there. Lastly, like, subscribe and share with your friends and fellow wacky adventurers. But until next time, I'm Thomas, your DM. And with the expanded cast of iCast Fireball, we have Malamara, Lance Thalen, Fleeple. Motaragunamen and Brick. Let's keep that fire going, and we'll see you all next time.